Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. I know, especially Mandra. Mandra's back. She's back from her amazing um, honeymoon. You're you're a missus now. I'm a missus. Um, what's really funny is like not like almost every hotel referred to Enrique as Mr. Woodruff, which I thought was really freaking funny. Because <laughs> I mean, they're like Mr. And Mrs. Woodruff, right? This way, happy honeymoon. Because I because a lot of the reservations were um, uh, okay. under my name. Yeah, I know he was like, see, this is what we're not going to do. <laughs> um, no, it was amazing. I feel like I was kind of telling you earlier when we chatted that I don't feel like I've been on any planet Earth for the past like three, four weeks. And I just, I'm, I'm so happy to be home. But the honeymoon was amazing. I called it uh, 32 date nights because that's what it felt oh, like. I love that. 32 date nights. I love that. That's actually mm-hmm. really cute. We did. We had like two dates a day. You had lunch date and then you <laughs> sometimes you had a breakfast date if you woke up, which never happened. We constantly missed. I was so excited. I was like, book the hotels that have the good breakfast. Let me see the breakfast buffet. I want pictures. And we just slept through it like nine out of ten times. But um, yeah, you just have a date in the afternoon. And then you do an activity and then you have dinner and then you do an activity. It's like that was just and then repeat that for 16 days. It was it was like toward the end. I was like, we this isn't real life we need to stop we're like day drinking and eating cake at (laughs) 2 p.m and we're taking naps like from three to seven like it was not a healthy toward the end I was like I we need to go we're just gonna like get super fat and lose all of our brain cells if we do not get back um so we got in like super late last night um and we and uh and yeah today I've been doing like a light re-entry which I recommend (laughs) I work from home (laughs) We got home a little bit later than we expected, um, but the flight wasn't bad. We we went to for those. I don't know if I told y'all. We did Italy, mm-hmm. did three cities in Italy, and we did the last four days in in Barth, Barcelona. Barcelona. Uh, oh, right. I love that list they have. Barcelona. Barcelona. It was so nice to be to like the last four days to be in a country where we actually spoke the language and we had the upper hand. Oh, so I, I was like, oh yes, I understand you guys. You understand me. There's no language barrier. Although I have to say in Italy, because we did Rome, Venice, and Florence, and every, like, we, a lot of, everyone speaks English. Like, I don't know. I mean, we were in really touristy areas, but we didn't, we didn't have to struggle as much as I, excuse me, as much as I thought we might have to struggle. And I was nervous because I don't really travel very often to places that aren't Spanish speaking. Um, 
Yeah. So anyway, but it wasn't bad at all. And Italian is super close to Spanish anyway. And I was going to say that. Look, so we could guess. Um, but when we were in what's I don't want to get too nerdy about it, but I learned so much about Italy that I had no Italy wasn't even a country until like 100 years ago. Isn't that crazy? I didn't really? know that. I didn't know that. It wasn't officially named Italy until like the 19, the mid, not the early 1900s. Yeah, before that, it was like 17 different regions and the Roman Empire. And like, I mean, we just nerded out and we went on all these like historical tours. And so every region is like a different, has this different identities and stuff. So we were in Tuscany when we were in Florence and mm. um, then you're in Northern Italy and Venice and then Rome is in the middle and they all sort of have their own um like ways of speaking and their own I think even their own accents and even their own languages like people were telling me South Italy like Sicily has a different language almost than what you hear in Tuscany so anyway it was really like it was like a whirlwind um tour of like the history of Italy and of course the food and the language and the wine and like it was dope had a good time but it uh, looks like I I love following you on, um, I was like watching vicariously through IG. I was like, yes, your curls were popping. I said, look at Mandy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to go natural. Thank you, Miss. I have to give a shout out to Miss Jessie's as I always do. I only needed one hair care product the entire honeymoon. Miss Jessie's Pillow Soft Curls. God, we need to get her as an advertiser. I know. All this free press, Miko. All the free press. Your curls were, I was like, wait. Maybe so she's just gonna go out there with her hair just just out because your curls were really popping especially the picture on the beach I was like come I had to call my bestie I'm like bestie look at these curls get into them <laughs> <laughs> you know what it's really I mean you know my journey that the years it's been of me trying to like get this hair grown out and 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 like cooperating and she was very well behaved honestly you know it's all about the weather though like if you have curly hair honestly it's like 90 percent weather 10 percent product and um we had really good weather out of 16 days we had one rainy day oh that's good we were just being we were missing it every minute we were missing the the rain and we moved from city to city and it was kind of had just left or was coming afterward and we got so lucky so so lucky with the weather well while you're away so many shenanigans happened what is going on in the world tell me you're i'm relying on you well, something good. One, um, Apple ranked us as like um, bold. They had like some ranking of like bold women in podcasting. That's right. I remember yeah. something about yeah. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. We were under like the business and finance section, so it was really dope. And along with a, lo- a bunch of other really dope folks, I was like, "Oh, look at this! We famous now." <laughs> of course, you know Bill O'Reilly was fired. Woo woo! Ding dong, witches Um, Yeah, that's dope. And then Serena Williams is with Child. I saw that because I was on the gram. Um, No? uh, Yeah, that was... Did you hear that she didn't mean to post that picture? It was an accident? Really? (laughs) Yeah. So I guess she's been using this, like, app where you can... You're supposed to take a picture every day and track your belly growth. And she accidentally hit the share to Instagram button (laughs) instead of... Oh, oh, like, whoopsie. Because I thought to myself, I'm like, would she really waste it on, like, a lame Instagram post? Like... Like a bathroom selfie and, you know, just like 20 weeks. Because, so <laughs> you know, because I thought she would go the Beyonce route. Like, I don't yeah. know, paint a bunch of tennis balls on her stomach. Or, I don't know, something That's dramatic. Hilarious. Yeah. So it was an accident. Whoopsie. But uh, I'm so happy for her. Yeah. That's going to be one well taken care of baby. Well, they said that she, I forget what, um, what tournament she won 
while pregnant. Was it the Australian Open? Yeah, it was one of those Opens. It was a big mm-hmm. deal. And she was, That's- what, a month pregnant at that time or two months Which pregnant? You- Which is crazy. Yeah. Your fave could never, just so we're clear. <laughs> I know. I I I, oh, I Loki almost sent that to my my best friend uh, Kristen, who is one of my bridesmaids, because she is um she is twelve. Wait, no, she's more than that now. She's sixteen weeks pregnant now. She was pregnant during the wedding, um, and she's like morning sickness. And I'm I was like Kristen, all you had to do is wear a fancy dress. Now Serena <laughs> had to had the weight of the world on her. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> just to get up when you have morning sickness and you are growing a human being inside of you is a miracle. But to do it and like to go dominate um, on a world stage like that, I wonder if she like part of me wonders if she knew she was pregnant at the time because that's like you don't you may not know at two months you may like yeah you may not but may then not you be may totally sure unless she was really trying and then she knew for sure. But either way. She's badass. And that baby, yeah. that baby is done. I mean, the baby, like, is going to be, I don't even know what. I know. She and Blue uh, just, Ivy will just create a Fortune 500 company. I know. President, just, vice president. I know. I know. And then, of course, the lay twins that are coming are going to be slaying as soon as they hit the ground running. How is Beyonce? Because I've been following her on, on the gram, because that's all I've been mm-hmm. doing these past two, two weeks is eating, <laughs> drinking, and Instagramming. Um, how has she been out and about in all these fin? Isn't she, like, about to pop or something? Well, I, is this what twins she, look like in well, the modern she, age? <laughs> or is she she's, she's very, very, like, she. you know, the thing is, she's carrying two. So, you know, but she looks pareg. Oh, you know, like, when she carried blue, people were like, she's not pregnant, she's not pregnant, you know, that. That's a fake belly. But child, the way she looks now, you cannot deny this lady is pregnant. I mean, it's all in her eyebrows. <laughs> like you can see her ankles. Her pinky toe is pregnant. <laughs> but yeah, I'm like, I what know. do you have to do to look that good? If I could, if you could promise me I would look that good if I were pregnant and be maybe that rich, um, I'd, have a, I'd have a kid tomorrow. Heck yeah. I just know that I'm not going to. I just know that I'm going to turn into, like, the witch from Hansel and Gretel. Like, I don't know. I'm just going to be just a I'm going to be Jabba the Hutt. Remember Jabba the Hutt? Yes, that. <laughs> that with lipstick is going to be me. My, right? My eyes bugged out, like, ugh, breathe it all Ankles. heavy. <laughs> I feel like my thighs and my knees are going to be the same size. Like, the, the cat. Like, everything's just going to blur together. I don't know, man. But uh, I always, I always ask too. Superman, like, if I get really, really fat, would, you, would you still love me? He's like, if I did it, yes, I would. <laughs> if I did it, <laughs> if I, if he could look at you and be like, yeah, I did that. <laughs> oh, God. He was so, like, well, my max, my max weight is four hundred. I'm like, that's your max weight, dude. Like, that's <laughs> max for. Um, you know, you got some wiggle room. I know. I was like, I, I you work crazy. with that. I can work with four. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, who is getting to? I mean, no shade if you're 400 and you're listening. I'm just saying that, like, that's a lot of. Give me a lot of space to work with. No, that's that's a healthy. That's a healthy amount. I, I, yeah, that's a that's a that's a healthy amount of. Uh, definitely, I definitely probably almost got there on the honeymoon. That's for sure. Like, I, d- I do not think I could fit in my wedding gown today versus like three weeks. <laughs> so much pasta, Tiffany. I saw so much pasta, and you know I'm lactose intolerant. Did you know that? Yeah. 
severe lactose allergy and yet i went to italy for the honeymoon so i came i i came prepared with like i bought a costco size pack of lactaid i'm not even kidding and i I made sure yes i made sure i carried a 16 like they come with little tablets you can rip off i carried like one um one like sheet of tablets every day (laughs) in my purse i didn't go i did not leave without it and i also had zantac on deck and every time i had enjoyed a meal i was like "Mm, let me get my pills first i was like a grandma because um, <laughs> I'm lactose intolerant too, not not severe severe, but um, definitely I, I I I stay away. If I stay away long enough, I can have a cheat day. And there's certain cheeses that don't really do it to me. You know, I'm like mm, yeah. I can have mozzarella like on on pizza. I'm fine. Oh really? Amer- oh, I'm the opposite. But American cheese, forget it. You might as well just yes. shoot me now. Amer- and the, oh my god, yeah, welfare cheese like the Kraft singles. <laughs> no 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 no. Nothing orange. Nothing processed. Like I I have a bougie. I told. I told my husband, husband, that I have <laughs> Mr. Woodruff that I have a um, like a bougie allergy to lacto. I can I can eat bougie cheeses. Like in Italy, I yeah. have no problem at the fancy cheese plates. None. Um, well, some like the hard cheeses and stuff were fine, but like um, totally fine. But yeah, you put me in like a dollar slice of pizza, and I'll be out of commission for two days. Like I can't. Oh, I need to call out sick from life. Like I remember one time, I didn't realize I was lactose intolerant until I was at my best friend from high school, her house, and we were eating ice cream. And I'm sitting, like, at her. She had an island with, like, a little bar. And we're sitting, and I'm eating, and eating. And literally, I fell off the stool, clutching my stomach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, ah! And her mom was like, baby, are you lactose intolerant? I was like, what's that? She's like, what you doing right now? <laughs> Why does it hurt? I, I Something know. so good can hurt. It feels like you're betrayed. Exactly. Ooh, and Ooh. a gelato. That reminded me. So, so did you hear, more. so Newark, this is like random. So me and Superman, we were just like, what are we doing? Because everybody keeps asking, when are you guys going to get married? And we're so chill about it. Like, literally, he had a day off. He was like, let's go get, he finally signed the prenup. Woot, woot. We're not going to dwell on it because some of his family members listen. Mind your business. But he signed it. Um, and right next to the prenup place where we well, the, where we got it notarized was City Hall. And we were like, well, let's go apply for our marriage, marriage license. And then, you know, put a date in for um, Justice of the Peace. Uh, of course, the city of Newark is currently hacked by some cyber bully who is asking what? for thirty thousand. Yes, for, they're asking for thirty thousand dollars to unhack them. Oh, that legit happens today. Like yep. people hold ransom on websites. Yep. Yeah, that's crazy. Yes. The city of Newark. Yep, the city of Newark. And so, like, it didn't affect every. Um, it didn't affect like it didn't affect like for, for example the police, um, but it, it definitely affected like the health. I think the Department of Health it affected and like. So if you need anything from City Hall, even up till now, it's been over a week. And so we went and it was like a note saying, hey, our systems are currently down. And um, the security card there was like, oh, yeah, they were hacked. And so I was like, let me do a Google. And sure enough, yep, they were hacked and they're working through it. But I'm like, so this license, what does that mean? So um, did you (laughs) were you able to get a license? No, because they they said they were not doing any until they get their systems back up and running. So we were just looking like so. <laughs> Hopefully we can go back next week and just like you know, I guess you get your license. How does it work? So when you, you and and husband boo, you guys got you guys you have to get your license first, right? Before you um do the ceremony or after? Well, I don't really think it matters. I mean, the ceremony ours anyway was all um just ceremonial. It wasn't religious. It wasn't like binding. I mean, we did have an officiant who was um he was ordained. But yeah, the, the license is what really matters. That's what legally says that you're married by the state. I mean, maybe to okay. some people, religion matters more. But so we went and got ours first. I mean, I guess we we could have we could have like 
done it afterward. I mean, like I have friends who've gotten married because you have to go, at least for us, we got um, we, our license in Georgia in the county where we got married in Savannah. Okay. And we went there the day before the wedding and we, uh, you know, paid her like $60 and filled out a quick form. Um, and but what you have to do is you, so you fill it out. It gets temporarily like, I don't know, put in place. And then after the wedding, um, your officiant signs it or your minister, whoever, oh, okay. they sign it. Um, and you've already signed it at that point. And then you have to mail it or return it back to the um, the clerk's office. And then okay. that's like the legally thing. Then they, then that's what binds it or whatever. Once the officiant signs it and the clerk's office does whatever they do to it. And then apparently we get mailed a, for- a formal copy later on. We took home like the, like a copy of whatever it is that we gave to them. I think okay. that's how it works. But I mean, we're, we're, we're married. Yeah. <laughs> it's official. <laughs> but I've heard, yeah, my friends told me that they um, didn't mail theirs in to the clerk's office. Because sometimes you can mail it. Like if we had gone back to New York before um, or if they had been closed before we had a chance to, you know, take it in person, we could have mailed it back to them from New York. Okay. But we did ours in person. But yeah, my friends were like, yeah, my wife, she waited three months to actually mail it in. So for three <laughs> months, we weren't really... Like, oh. legitimately married um but yeah paperwork is i mean it's it's all kind of like bureaucratic or whatever but um it did feel kind of it did feel kind of fun when we walked in we were like do you know where the marriage license office is and they were like this lady is so georgia she was like yeah honey right down the hall you can get a gun license while you're there too <laughs> like okay, <laughs> like, okay. great Thank georgia you for that. <laughs> exactly. awesome. um so wait so you guys were ready to do it right then and there then yeah, well, we were going to apply for the license, and then what happens is they give you a date to go, because we told her we wanted to do, you know, the Justice of the Peace. So they, yeah. then you kind of pick a date, or I guess they give you a date, or whatever. But, like, because the first time we went, we were all casual. We just walked in off the street. She was like, where's your witness? We're like, we need a witness. She's like, where's your, you have to bring, like, a bill to prove, like, uh, residency in the in the city. And I was like, oh, we don't have any of those things. Some and so, need, yeah, we didn't need any of that stuff. It, it depends on, like, whatever your, like, so county's we like, rules are okay and then we came back next week and we we're like oh we come back the next week and they're like oh we're down and we're closed i was like oh what is happening <laughs> third <laughs> was, time's the charm that's what's happening I, I know so we was like okay so i guess you know we'll check back next week and then i don't know i'll just let my friends and family know if you want to come down to the courthouse honestly i don't we're you know we're eventually have something you know whether it's a dinner or a barbecue or whatever that's going to look like but you know, we're just going to get the official stuff out of the way soon, though. Hmm. Yeah, well, I'm sure you can pick your date, though. Like yeah, I'm pretty my, sure. My, yeah, my parents did Justice of the Peace, and they got married Valentine's Day. I'm sure they just picked that day. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, well, it didn't work out so well, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're here, at the and, time. So, and so is almost Drake, so, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, that's exciting. Okay, well, I'm going to be two married ladies soon. I know. Isn't that so weird? When we started this, we were single and ready to mingle. Well, we weren't mingling, but, you know. um it does feel different i will tell you that at least in my experience i do feel different as a capital w wife uh well now i'm like a lowercase w wife because i'm we're just like in the newlywed phase but it you it does feel different and i've noticed a change in enrique definitely and i don't want to you know put too much she doesn't like all the me talking about him very much he's more private than me but um i have noticed i've noticed a change and i maybe it's just like a and, I, and you you kind of reminded me of when you were talking about Superman, you know, mm-hmm. talking about, yeah, he'd be proud to, like, be the father or the man who made you pregnant or whatever. I think it's, like, goes back to, like, this base, like, man-male instinct to, like, 
want to be the man and like be a husband and you know mm. like that i don't know it, it it's sort of i can feel him like kind of owning it and like being like yeah man i'm a husband you're a wife like yeah <laughs> oh that's this is cute great. yeah and, and that's 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 really fun really good that's but. what i like about the the family aspect of it like it's good when you choose somebody who really is looking forward to that or who's ready for that you know because not everyone whether it's a man or a woman is ready to say hey i'm ready to to be like i'm part of this family and just so great like we were um helping like my sister had her baby she's three weeks old now her name is I thought it was going to be Avery, but they decided against Avery, which I thought was so great. And her name is still great. Her name is Amelia. Aww, and, um, with an E or an A? Uh, with an A. Cute. And so they have a son um, who's one and a half named Roman, which I love because it's like such a unique name. And so like Roman just loves um, Superman. So he just came by to visit. And he was like, my flag is Superman is six, six. So he's always looking up like, whoa. And whenever he comes, he's like, yes, pick me up so I can touch the light fixtures. That's his favorite thing to do. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's the only one who's tall enough to hold him and to, to hold him that high up. And I'm just like looking like, oh, he's such a great dad. I mean, he's a great dad with his own daughter, Supergirl. So I knew, you know, he was such a great dad. And he was just like, I can't wait for this again. He's like, this is the type of thing that makes a man stay home all day. I'm like. Well, not all day because, you know, they don't get on my nerves now. But you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. I think it's becoming cooler, like, for men to yes. be emotional and to show that side of themselves. Every, I'm telling you, the husbands of all my best girlfriends are such saps. Like, they're the ones crying at my wedding. They're the ones who, you know, are gushing about their kids. Like, I think it's, uh, yeah, I think the whole stigma of, like, you know, tough men, don't cry, tough yeah. men, don't care about that weak family stuff. Like, that is not the thing. Like, I think that it's becoming much more like manly to to show that love and affection for family which is no i agree it seems like that too like even with like you know artists and stuff that people like kind of look up to or trying to emulate if you see there's definitely a trend toward family and love and and yeah so that's a good thing I know the listeners are like, all right, yada, yada, get to some other stuff. All the right, listeners guys. are you, Tiffany. The listeners <laughs> are you. Hmm. No. Hmm. no. You I'm tired, just like, you you know. tired of hearing how happy I am? Fine. No, I'm not tired Let's of hearing Let's do a brown happy. break. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, brown break, brown booze. What do I want a boosted break? Um, Honestly, I don't know if I'm in a good mood, so I don't. I don't even know if I want to do a boost. I feel like I want to do a, I mean, a break. I feel like I want to do like a boost to love. But we, I feel like we loved it out already. Let me see. What do I want to do a boost? Um, You go first. I'm going to think about well, it. Well, I was going to ask, you should do a boost on what you're doing in LA. Or well, maybe you can't say, but you can talk about the past things you've done in LA and how you accomplish that. Because maybe we have some listeners who you know, have their own businesses or want to build their brand and want to know how they can get media attention. And you've worked really hard on getting more media attention. And it's like really working for you now. You're getting a lot of TV pres or TV spots and stuff. So maybe you no. can boost slash talk about that. Well, you know, I'll do, I know what I'll do a boost too, because it's, it's, I'll do a boost to team. So I normally, and anybody who's like a first time entrepreneur and you're just starting out, it's typically really hard to let people in to let them help you because it's your baby. You're going to burp this baby. You're going to feed this baby. You're up all night with this baby. And at some point, if you're going to really achieve the next level of success, you have to allow folks to help you. And it's hard to make that transition because in the beginning, you don't know how to pick the right people. But I've been really fortunate in that some of the right people have picked me. 
And so, yeah, so I'm actually here in LA. I could say I'm, I'm, I'm taping the reel tomorrow. Um, this is my third time and the reel is a national show. I mean, they have millions of viewers and they, they typically don't have people. Um, they just started talking about money on the show. And for the most part, when they talk about money, they, they asked me to come on. And so it's kind of incredible when you really think like literally what, six, seven years ago, I was in a preschool classroom in Newark teaching, you know, my kids the ABCs, you know? Um, and uh, this is what I found as far as business for those of you listening. One, one, it takes time. There are some people, yes, but very few who, you know, from out the gate, boom, they're, they're amazing. They make a ton of money. You know, they're super successful. Yeah. But for the average person, it, it, it takes time because one, sometimes you're not even sure what your offering is. Like what's your service? What's your product? And so it takes time to really, um, figure out what that's going to be. And then two, you start to realize that one thing does not mean another in business. I thought to myself when I first started, if I can get my name in these magazines or newspapers, then I'll make a lot of money. That's not true. Because my brokeish year, I was like in every magazine you could think of. And press does not equal profit. Mm. Profit is profit. And so one year, I remember I was like, this is the year I'm going to try to get into everything. And I did. I mean, I did help a reporter out, which is this free website where you can... um answer queries about from reporters who are like, hey, we're looking to interview people about specific topics and stuff. I did that every day to get myself. I have my my um, my best friend who I grew up in. Uh, I, like I've known her since middle school is my publicist. She'd gone to school for communications and public relations. And she had quit her job at some big marketing firm when I started my business. She was like, you could be my first client. And so I was. Um, and so she obviously played a huge role, especially now. Um, so I'm not her only client. She's got a number of like huge clients now. Uh, we built our businesses together. But for me, I really want to be an example of what it can look like if you can do good work and literally help people for a living and make good money. I hate when sometimes I read like, you know, entrepreneurship journeys or stories and people make it seem like you have to be this like mean, nasty shark out here in these streets and like, you know, or that you can't practice self-care, you know, always work and stay hu- stay hungry, stay hustle, stay. Yes, do I work a lot? Yeah, but I, I take a nap every day and I hang out with Superman and Supergirl and I see my sister and babysit my nephew and do a podcast with Mandy. And, you know, like, so I, I just want to show that you can make good money by helping people, one, and you can make good money by helping people that look like you, brown folks, because, you know, they make it seem like there's not enough um money in the brown community just to serve them and you can't <laughs> shame shame moisture um and you know that oops sorry <laughs> trumpet okay. though just took over my internet <laughs> and so yeah i just hope to be an example that like you know that it's not mutually exclusive you can do good work help good people and make good money and it's just like i don't know yeah entrepreneurship is not easy but for me i just can't see myself doing anything else here, yeah. Well, we need to have, I feel like we should do a little, we should have Drina on. How does Drina feel about being interviewed? She can come on and talk to, I feel like she could have some like good beginners tips for people who are trying to get their names out, like mistakes they may make PR wise or something. Oh, you for sure. We could offer the audience. I'm not putting I'm gonna, her on the spot, even though I know she's sitting right there. I know. Hey, I'm going to force Drina. her. I know. <laughs> because Drina's always like, she's like so used to, because when you do public relations, you're so used to being in the background. And I'm like, Drina, get your face out here so people can see how amazing you are. Because I'm here. People don't realize, like, so here I'm taping the reel. And it seems so great. They flew me out here. Like, we've got this amazing hotel room. And, you know, we have 
personal driver, all this stuff. Drina pitched a reel for nearly a year. And they were like, who? Who? <laughs> a year of dry pitching. And then... I guess, you know, because the way it works is producers will have like meetings and they're like, oh, we should introduce a new segment. And I guess they were having a meeting around maybe talking about finances. And that week, Drina was doing her weekly pitches was like, hey, you know, you should think about the Budgetista. And so it, it was just the timing that they finally opened it and said, hi, you know what? And then on top of that. Because, and this is what people don't realize that, you know, everyone's wanting to be on Oprah, but that's, you're never going to get directly on Oprah. This is what major networks do. They will go and see, have you done anything before them? They're looking to see if you've been on local TV, um, Pix 11 News, you know, your um, ABC local news, whatever that is, because they want to see, they're not going to have you on their major network or major show that reaches millions and you've never been on TV before. So you could freeze up when they tape live. Mm -hmm. You know, and so they're looking to see what you've done before. And so Drina has gotten me on so many of these smaller local channels. So then when when they you know, when they finally opened her email, and they looked and then they researched me. They saw that I had done hundreds of interviews before on all these smaller networks and smaller channels. And they were able to see how I presented myself because I wasn't great in the beginning. She does. Drina does a lot. A lot of um. um uh, per, uh, like media coaching too. And so really practicing, like I sucked in the beginning and she would, we would go over things over and over and over. So by the time I got to the real, I was ready for it. And so that was what, that was, what's really was like important, honestly. And so, yes, now I'm here now, but you know, that's only because I'm finally ready for it. There's nothing worse than getting an opportunity before you're ready for it. So yeah, I say all that to say, Drina's going to be on the show. I volunteer just walk into the room. So you're going to be on Brown Ambition, just so you know. Say hi to the people. <laughs> She's looking at me like, uh-uh, girl. We'll have our people call our people. <laughs> we will. Okay, well, I'm going to do I'm gonna do a brown break because I did I did read a little bit of the news. I read a little news over the over the over the moon of honey. Um, and one of the headlines that caught my attention, I have to do a boot, uh, uh, sorry, a break. Um, because I saw this headline and it really struck me because when I was younger, my mom and my dad got divorced when I was 10 and then we moved, we moved, um, into like a teeny tiny house in like a really nice neighbor, like a, like a nice neighborhood, um, in a county in Georgia that was like, had a much better school system than the county where my parents had lived when they were married. And my mom was like, we were broke and we were renting a house. And anyway, needless to say, I was one of those kids who had like the free lunch program at school or the, the reduced lunch and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I remember what it was like if you didn't bring, I think it was like $8 for the week or something like 4 or $5 for the week. And I remembered what would happen if you forgot your lunch card or if your parents forgot to pay that week, they would give you like the shitty sandwich um, mm. with like the peanut butter mixed with Splenda or like, I don't know, honey or whatever it was. And you'd have to eat that really sad sandwich in front of everybody with their French fries and their pizza. And it was really mortifying. And I read this headline in the Times that was talking about how in a lot of school districts are still shaming students whose parents are either forgetting to pay their lunch or they have you can have like a debt on your lunch now like the wow. the the one girl in the story i think she was from alabama um it was her first day of school and she showed up and they were like no girl last they they saw on her record <laughs> that she her parents were behind a week or two from the previous school year and they didn't allow her to eat they, they threw her lunch in the garbage like in front of the me? other kids no not kidding 
Um, and that's that's not the only district that will do that. Throw away the food or give the kid like a really sad cold sandwich or some sort of like cold inferior lunch um, that just meets the federal whatever the federal regulations are for um, a, a school lunch. And I don't know, I just wanted to to do a brown break for that whole practice. I think it is archaic and stupid. And, um, you know, I, I, I feel like that's really damaging to students. And um, I just wish it wouldn't happen anymore. Yeah. So I hope and it, and to have that that little girl have her story like it's already mortifying enough to have that happen um, to you. As it a is kid. like, you know, how hard it is. Um, I never had my lunch thrown away, but I did have like the experience of going to the cashier and being like, I'm sorry, don't have the money this week. Can you give me my sad peanut butter sandwich, please? Uh. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and kids judge. Like I remember I would just not bring lunch. I wouldn't even just, there are some days I would just not go. If I didn't have money, I'd be like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not eating today. I'm just like, whatever. I would just, um, or I'd bring a dollar, like I'd have $1 and that was enough for like french fries or whatever because that was cooler than going yeah. and getting the shitty sandwich like the peanut butter sandwich and the plastic wrap you know um so i was like malnourishing myself just to avoid that embarrassment and i know kids do that like yeah when when every every other year like lunch bags would go in and out of style some years it was not cool to have a lunch box and some and bring it you had to bring a brown paper bag instead that was what was cool and mm-hmm. like that would flip flop and if you didn't have the right thing i would just not bring my lunch to school someday and Anyway, anyway, I don't mean to go on, but I just wanted to bring that up. And uh, if, if, you know, if you hear of that happening in your school district, I think it's important for parents and, and just like the community to, to speak up. And I don't know what exactly can be done. Um, I know that, the, you know, the food isn't free, but I, I don't think it should come to the point where you're throwing children's lunch away in front of them. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I know you're right. I know that the food isn't free, but it's just so disheartening to hear about that you know like oh I remember like when when I um taught preschool in Newark we would get the good thing is is that everybody had like basically state-sponsored lunch or whatever so they would send us like you know the food for the for the for the day and then for the week we would get like milk and so all the kids had the same food unless they had a special allergy and sometimes their kid their parent would bring in whatever but you know but they were three and four so but still I feel like that was an alternative. I don't know, you know, what that program was. And the thing is, we would get so much extra food that because we would get like a gallon a day. I'm like, there's only like five kids here. Um, or like, no, I think we would get like two gallons a day. And, you know, kids don't drink like, you know, that much. And so I used to because we were at the bottom of a project building, a, well, a senior building, basically a project building, but it was full of senior citizens. So I would put all the extra food in the the mail room and then let them know, like I would let the the like the 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 people who worked in the building like oh can you let certain seniors that I knew were having a hard time let them know and it got to be we did it for so long people thought it was like a program like <laughs> you know like that it free was free like, Friday yes like okay there goes the lady with the program I was like oh no this is just, <laughs> this is just leftovers from the preschool and I felt so bad when they closed down our preschool because I thought about all the elderly people in the building that really came to depend like there were certain people that we go to their doors like oh I know Miss Mr you know Mr. McFarland is in a wheelchair. And so let me bring him his milk to him. And so I always think about them like, wow, you know, now because we were there for years. I, I worked at that center for seven years of giving away free food. And then for us to be gone, I just think about that sometimes. And I remember the state coming and telling me that I was not allowed to give away the food that I had to throw it away. Really? And I was like, oh, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm, I'll do that. Whatever. Like, 
No, because they were like, I guess they didn't want to be, there's a potential to being sued if someone gets food poisoning or whatever with food that's not meant for them. Like, this is like the kids are insured and blah, 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 they told me. And I was like, oh, sure, I'll throw away good food and not feed the elderly people in the building. Get out of here. I just remember being like, I don't, that's not going to happen. So that doesn't even make any sense to me. And we never got sued and people ate. So, you know, there's people, that. I mean, the government, I mean, there's rules in place for, 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 for reasons, but like the level of regulations, I'm just like, come on. Yeah. Um, and that reminds me, remember like a month or two ago, um, someone in Trump's administration had talked about defunding Meals on Wheels or or, or taking away the, the fundings that state used to fund Meals on Wheels programs. And that was just like so out of touch. I don't think it actually happened because the blowback was so huge. But um, mm. like whether you're little kids, like those programs really matter. I mean, I would rely on those free meals. Like I came into school at like 630 because they had like the free breakfast. I mean, I used to live on those like really terrible sausage pancake corn dogs. Like, <laughs> I don't even know what they were. But we would have or like the really rubbery like blueberry pancakes. I mean, I can still remember how those things tasted. I didn't even I haven't thought about that in so long. I remember exactly how they tasted like basically all the same like like pancakes shouldn't be purple but they were um <laughs> like and sometimes they would but like on a good day you get the ones with sausage. Yeah, man. Um anyway, man, lunchroom. I I feel like that is where like real life lessons happen the lunchroom, man. I think we all have like lunchroom horror stories, but mm-hmm. I just it made me I just felt for those little kids who, you know, are being stigmatized by adults in lunchrooms across the country. So that's my brown break. Brown break, brown boost. What you gonna do? What you gonna do when we break on you? I haven't sung it in a while, so I figured like it was time. It is a goodie. Oldie oldie but goodie. Oldie but goodie. <laughs> Andrea's over here shaking her head like what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> Does she not know? She must not listen. She's like, I, I get enough that, Tiffany. I don't need to listen to I, podcast. Exactly. She's like, right? None of my friends listen to my podcast. Only your friends. Yeah, well. Slapping. <laughs> <laughs> For real, Drina. I went to Mandy's wedding. I felt like a freaking celebrity. Everybody <laughs> from like grandma to the three-year-old. It's like, ah, Tiffany, put the podcast. I don't get what you guys, I don't get notifications. Whatever, girl. She over here copy, please. <laughs> I, don't <laughs> I don't get notifications. What, what, what? <laughs> Yeah. But I'm it's sure like, she can tell you how many Instagram likes she got like in the last five minutes. Exactly. <laughs> it's okay, oh, Drina. We'll, we'll wait. We'll wait until she comes on the show because she can defend herself. Um, <laughs> yeah, when she comes on when she comes the show, we'll, she'll be under fire. Under siege. <laughs> no, we love her. We love Drina. Hey, BA fam. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Um, 
Well, let's do some questions. We, okay. we, I have a good question I wanted to do for today. Um, and then I'm going to share my interview later in the show. So we're going to do questions. And then we have, I interviewed Morgan Debon, who's the co-founder of Blavity, which we love some Blavity. Um, and Blavity is just, um, is still in um, startup phase, but they're growing and growing and growing. So I talked to Morgan about growing the brand of Blavity and then branching it out. She's got a really awesome new brand called 21. 90, which is 2190 N I N E T Y. I had to think about that. Um, which is, is her new lifestyle brand, which is branching off from Blavity. And she talks about that. And she's doing another year. We had her on last year to talk about the Empower Her conference. And she's doing that again in Chicago. So um, that's coming up later on the show. But beforehand, let's get at this question. Okay. Um, you guys have stopped telling me whether or not you want your names to be said or not. So I don't know what to do. I think I'm going to keep this one confidential because it seems a little sensitive. But okay, this question is from we'll just call her D. Um, she says, Hey, ladies, I love your podcast. Um, I was talking to my older sister a few months ago. She recently married and is living with our parents and her husband in our parents house. I know she and her husband have been working towards saving up for a house. As we were talking, she explained her struggles with getting a loan. Basically, it sounds like her student loans messed up her debt to income ratio. And mm. since her husband doesn't make enough money to get a loan her, himself, they haven't been able to get a mortgage loan or get approved for a mortgage loaner um, because of her debt, basically, and their, and their lack of an income. Um, she asked me, my sister asked me to co-sign a loan for the a house for her and her husband. I didn't really know what that meant, but it sounded like a really bad idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My gut reaction, Child. listen to that gut, and that gut tells the truth. My gut reaction was to say no. Well, actually more like hell no. <laughs> she said that. It has really changed the relationship between my sister and I oh. since I told her no. Did I do the right thing? I feel so bad for them, but I just started a new job and I'm trying to save up for life events now and I just don't think I can help. What are your thoughts on co-signing and can you offer my sister any advice about homeownership with student loans? Oh, so first, I feel bad because I understand when you tell someone no about co-signing because one, my dad, I remember him sitting us down and telling me and my sisters, like, what you won't do is co-sign for each other. Like, saying that to us, that if your sister needs to borrow money, fine, give it to her. But you do not lend your name because you cannot get that back easily. Mm. Even for your sister. I remember Superman, Superman and I got into a really, like, heated debate, I guess you could say, because when we were dating, like, two years, so, you know, getting fairly serious, and he wanted me to co-sign for a car, and I told him no. Because I remember if my dad is telling me not to co-sign for my sister, I mean, not my, you know, even though... We were living together and he was like, what do you mean? No, I was like, uh, I mean, it, that didn't go over well, but I still, I never co-signed and I won't. Um, and because it's, it's your name in America. It's not even how much money you have in the bank is, is as important as what your credit looks like, because it can hinder everything from the job that you have to where you live. And if you co-sign, does that show like, what if this, what if you want to get a house later? You know, you put yourself in, in a position where if they don't pay, the co-signer is equally as responsible. And there's a reason that there's that debt to income ratio in place, because what that means is the bank is saying, based upon how much you owe and how much you borrow, you don't make enough to pay, make on time payments. 
The bank is telling your sister, you and your husband collectively do not make enough to make on-time payments on top of your current debt. So that means that there's a likelihood that they're not going to pay their mortgage on time every month. And that means you're not going to, it's going to look like you haven't paid your mortgage on time every month. So I get why she would ask you. She probably doesn't fully understand what she was asking of you and what she was asking you to put on the line for her. But you made the right decision, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't, it's not something to be taken lightly. I would have a sit down chat with her, like sister to sister to really like talk about why, like I said, it was a bone of contention for me and Superman and it took him a while. I still, I still don't think that he fully agrees, you know, with why I made that choice, but you know, I made it and here we are. I think you have to respect, I think, well, I think one is the, the, the fact that, cause I can't tell you, I don't think we get a more common question at Magnify Money than how do I get out of this car loan that I signed, co-signed for my friend or my cousin or my boyfriend mm. or whatever. We don't, we, that's like one of our most popular questions. And the answer is like, well, you either have, they ha either have to have good enough credit to refinance the debt and get your name off of it that way, which is rarely ever the case because these people are usually reaching out to us after their friend or fiance or mm -hmm. whoever has been missing payments and now their credit is being dragged in the mud because like Tiffany said, I, th I uh, the, the, co the core of what co-signing a loan, whether it's a student loan or a mortgage loan or a car loan, is saying, if this person doesn't make payments, I'm here to back them up and I will yep. be making payments on their behalf. And believe me, they will come after you. They sure will. Once that first person, once that first um, signing in a loan stops making payments. And when you can't make payments, then your credit will get dragged down. It's like tying yourself to a potentially sinking ship. You know yep. what I mean? Um, so it's really dangerous and you, uh, I don't know, it's, it's the, the, the one time where I feel like, um, it can be okay is maybe if a parent will co-sign, um, a, a child's student loan, but even that is, is, is super risky and you have mm -hmm. to, as a parent, ask yourself if my son, daughter cannot afford their loan payments after college, can I actually afford to make these payments? And if the answer is no, then don't do it. And maybe... Mm -hmm. Um, reassess how much of a loan you're taking out or what school you're going to. Um, and I, I don't think you should feel like a bad sister. I've had to tell um, family members no when they've asked for this kind of stuff before, just like Tiffany, um, and offer just straight up cash um, and, uh, and instead of like putting my name on something. And I think that's mm -hmm. generally the best option. But like you said, like right now, you don't mention how old you are, what you have going on in your life. But it sounds like, like you said, you need to focus on you and saving for your own life events. And your sister's an adult. She's staying with your parents. And I hope she's saving money. And if she is, and that's great, um, the more they can save, um, the more down payment they can put down, which means the lower loan amount they'll have to borrow. Mm -hmm. And hopefully they'll get to a place where they can afford a mortgage. Um, or maybe they, you know, you ask for advice on what you can do when you are taking out a mortgage and you have a lot of student loan debt. Um, she mentioned in the question that her sister has about $75,000 worth of student loan debt, which isn't okay. uncommon. That sounds like a grad degree and undergrad. Um, mm -hmm. And actually with uh, Magnify, we just like a couple weeks ago put out a guide on how on tips that you can use if you are taking out or want to get a mortgage and you have student loan debt. Mm -hmm. It's not a deal breaker, but um, recently laws have changed or not laws, but regulations on um, the, the main federal housing authorities have changed and they do factor your monthly student loan payment into your um, your debt to income ratio. And that's everything um, for them. And if you're wondering what the hell is a debt to income ratio, basically in a nutshell, 
that is when you are applying for a mortgage and they add up your, they look at your gross income and then they look at the total amount of debt payments you have um, each month as well. And they divide your monthly debt obligations by your income. And if that number is over, let's say 40% is typical, 36% to 40%. If it's over that amount, then you probably will not get approved for that mortgage loan. Um, and that's just so the banks can, or the mortgage lenders can cover their butts, right? Because they don't want to um, lend to it. Well, they shouldn't want to lend to someone who's who couldn't be, afford it. Yeah, who couldn't afford it, or who would, you know, they're they'd be owe more than they could afford to pay every month. So exactly. Because think about it this way, like it, and maybe like sitting down, like I said, and speaking with your sister. But let's just say she gets a house, and her mortgage is, I don't know, fifteen hundred dollars a month, but her student loan payment is six hundred. So now fifteen hundred plus six hundred is twenty one hundred dollars a month, and let's just say she makes three thousand dollars a month. That doesn't leave hardly any money left over. That's what they're really looking at. They're like, if you're paying your student loans and you're gonna pay your mortgage, what about groceries? What about this? What? How are you going to? The bank is looking. How are you going to be able to afford life if you get this house? And so people are so gung ho about purchasing a house. Oh, we'll figure out a way. Okay, but banks can't hold their breath that you're going to figure out a way because they're they are going to need their money and so yeah it's just i know it's hard because your sister's thinking emotionally so maybe letting her like you know cool down a bit and really sitting with her and kind of working out the numbers like you know this is why and this is why i had to say no not because i don't love you or trust you i'm sure you but i i want to make sure that i i build a strong financial future for myself as well Absolutely. And like I said, if she's she is she at the last sentence is that I really hate to think of my sister spending her first year of marriage in her childhood bedroom, but that's a smart thing to do. I mean, it may not be like the text like the fairy tale, you know, you get married and you're like Enrique and I don't have a house. We just got married. Mm-hmm. I don't feel pressure to buy a house right now cuz I mean, I think that you uh, your sister maybe is putting a lot or maybe her husband too are putting pressure on themselves to have a house right away. They just got married. They want to have that you know, that white picket fence, that life. Mm-hmm. But if you have to look at what reality is telling you and why, like, I think living at home, saving up money is like the smart way to go about it. We did that last year, saving up money. So we had space to grow. Um, and um, so I think, I don't know, I, I, and I hope your sister is maybe being a little bit nicer to herself and, and to you too, and giving herself time to grow and, and achieve and accomplish that goal. It's possible. Absolutely. It's possible if you have um, student loan debt, it just will be a little bit more difficult. Um, so I wanted to share, I just pulled up the story that we did. And I was going to share a couple of tips from um, the story. So obviously, lowering your student loan debt would be one way <laughs> to get um, to have a better chance at getting a loan. Um, you can try to refinance like if she has a good credit score, her credit is strong, she can try to refinance so that her monthly payment is lower. Um, and that will lower her the the debt part of her debt to income ratio. But of course, there's pros and cons to that. If you have federal debt and you refinance it with a private lender, you're getting rid of all those federal protections, which is a big mm-hmm. a big deal. So you don't want to do that lightly. Um, um, and uh, sometimes if you're trying to consolidate your debt, sometimes the rate you get if it's federal loans won't even be that much better than what the rate was before you consolidated. So there's pros and cons there, but that's one option. Um, I don't know if you if she's I don't know, I'm guessing if she tried to ask you to co sign her mortgage loan, she went to your parents already. Um, Uh But that's one thing you can do. And some parents do this. Some parents do do this, they will co sign. I don't know who these parents are. 
but <laughs> they'll co-sign for their um, son or daughter. Um, but that's um, that's one of the options. You can also try, I, th- I believe, hold on, make sure I got this right before I speak out of my butt. Oh, here's, okay, so this is what I was going to say earlier. I, I almost said if you um, put your loans in forbearance or deferment, then that means you have a you won't have any monthly lo- student loan payment and that won't factor into your debt. But that's what changed um, in 2015. Frannie Mae, uh, sorry, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac began requiring lenders to start factoring as student debt payments r- whether or not um, the loans were in forbearance or, defer- okay. uh, or deferment, which was the big change and that's what sort of made it a lot tougher for people um to start getting um to start getting mortgage loans if they had a bunch of student loan debt so that's the big change um yeah that's that's and that's what's so difficult because i mean even if a lot of people out there who have who aren't able to make their student loan payments you know aren't putting their loans into deferment or forbearance um which is a great tool to use and you should if you're struggling rather than you know missing your payments but at the same time I understand it because, like, clearly, if you can't afford your loans to the point where you had to put them in forbearance, then maybe you can't afford a mortgage either. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so it's it's hard because you want to give people the answer that they want, which is like you can have a house, have it all. Yeah, but no, and, it, sometimes you, and can't. you can have stuff, but you just it it takes time. I mean, it's it's one of those things where you know, like, I mean, it just takes time. Student loan debt takes time to pay off. Any financial goal that you want to achieve, especially if it's really big, it takes time. And that's there's nothing wrong with that. People save for years. They get their credit straight. That's that's typically what it looks like. Things don't usually just happen in just a few months, you know? Um, and you're not alone. Like, the rate of homeownership among people in our age range is lower and lower and lower than it ever was before. Um, and it's just it's a reality. I mean, you're not alone. So, um yeah, I hope we answered your question, D. And you're a good sister. Don't feel bad. I hope you guys can get over this little bump. Money and money and family is always freaking awkward, but um, I, I'm sure you guys will. Uh, I'm sure your sister will come around eventually. Yeah. All right. Oh. So you ready for that interview? I am ready. I love Miss Morgan Debon, and I want to share. I want to share my solo interview because Tiffany was unavailable. Um, yeah, more like we had a. We had a crossing of the time zone situation, so (laughs) you're going to have to listen to me talk to Morgan by myself. Um, But Morgan's awesome. We're super happy to have her on the show. If you don't, uh, check out Blavity. Um, God, is it .org or .com? Am I blinking? That's how long I've been outside from reality. Blavity.com. Blavity.com, which is um, amazing. And then again, her her new brand, 2190, which you can follow on Instagram, um, 21ninety.com. All right, guys, as promised, we have one of our returning guests, our favorite, Miss Morgan DeBon, who is the co-founder of Blavity.com. Morgan, thank you so much for coming back on Brown Ambition. Thanks for having me back. So obviously, Blavity is growing, 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 and you have a lot of exciting things to talk about. One of them is your new project called 2190. We're also going to talk a little bit about the Empower Her Conference, which is going to be in its second year this year, right? Mm-hmm. 
Yep. Coming up soon. So a lot to talk about. Um, I would just love to start with, tell us about like where Blavity is now. How are things going? The site to me seems to be doing extremely well. Um, it's everywhere. So yeah, h- how is it? Things are going well. We're moving super fast. So this time last year, we had just moved to LA to open our first office. So it's like crazy. We're already a year into our our life in Los Angeles and um, the team is, is going well. We hired a managing editor before I was basically acting as managing editor and you know, I did okay, but that's not my, my strength necessarily. And so we brought on um, this awesome editor, Brandon Harden to take over the editorial team and like really focus us, which has been super helpful. Um, so hopefully you guys have seen better content, more diverse content going out. Um, and then we kind of went heads down on 2190 for like six months to build it from scratch, which was like really fun and really exciting, I think, for a lot of our team members where they maybe weren't there in the beginning of Blavity when we started like almost three years ago. And so it was like a first time where all of us were all hands on deck building something from scratch. So, so you, um, it's been you time. obviously had like free time. So you're just running a company and you decide to go ahead and launch a new project on the side. Um, <laughs> so it must have been really special. Tell me what is 2190 and why did you decide, you know, early in Blavity to sort of pivot and do something a little bit different too? Yeah, so 2190 is a new media brand underneath the umbrella of Blavity. Um, but it's specifically focused on women of color. And it's all about health and wellness and hair and beauty and very much focused on like trying new things and discovery and living your best life. And we found out early on that Blavity attracted a lot of women, probably because of me, (laughs) because I'm always like, write more about women, write more about feminism. But once we realized that that was a huge part of our audience, we also started to learn more about what they needed and what they were looking for. And oftentimes that translated into things about new products, new ways of life, new habits that they wanted to form, like waking up earlier or establishing a workout routine. And that content just didn't really fit with the Blavity brand specifically you know it wasn't pop culture it wasn't news it wasn't really ever going to go viral we weren't going to write an article about veganism and get a million views in two hours right um and so we had to think about it a little differently and that's kind of that's where the that's where we started to get curious and started to think about what we could create to solve that problem and what's the what does 2190 mean where does that come from yeah, so 2190 stands for, it takes about 21 days to create a lifestyle or to create a habit um, and 90 days to form a lifestyle. So it's just about like how do we as women be intentional about what we're doing every single day and how does that over time lead to this progress and, and the lifestyle change? That's interesting. I never thought about the difference between like what is it that makes, what's different between a habit and a lifestyle? Right. So like a habit is something that you do, you know, every day, right? Or it's something that you can do automatically, right? And you don't have to think about it, whether that is brushing your teeth or waking up before 7am or meditation. I feel like a lifestyle is, in a lot of ways, like a conscious, holistic approach to how you move through the world. And, you know, that could be something as simple as like, you don't eat meat, which is probably actually not that simple, right? But you don't eat meat. And that's 
that's a lifestyle choice. That's not necessarily a habit, right? The habits are little choices that you make that form up your lifestyle. Mm, interesting. And that's why it's so much harder, right? Um, creating a lifestyle since it's so many different and it takes a lot more like it's not just like your program to do it um, it's like a conscious effort a struggle I can totally identify I just spent the last like two months trying to eat fish and veggies so I can I wanted to look great on my wedding day um, yeah that was hard it's it's um it's always helpful if the lifestyle is something fun you know but after a yeah, while yeah really formed a habit to like not eat certain things have I built a habit to not eat certain things well you know what's yeah. funny some lifestyles are chosen I so I've been struggling with lactose intolerance which sounds like you know not the biggest deal but it is kind of a big deal I um and I, I chose two years ago to just really embrace it like stop making myself sick you know eating mm -hmm. cheese and just see what would happen if I quit all dairy and what happened is I got even more sensitive to the point where if any right. cheese like if you sprinkle parmesan on something I am done like um wow. you know I have to carry lactate around like for emergencies like a 50 year old dude and um <laughs> and so in that case like it's a lifestyle that I chose but it's not great because like you're always tempted um right but it has so many benefits um that it sort of outweighs them um you know what's funny though with lifestyles and I don't want to get too far off track but it's it's like people judge you know it's I totally and I, I'm sure anyone can relate who you know whether it's you're giving up meat or you're gonna quit smoking or you're gonna you know I don't know ride on a unicycle every day for an hour um right. but the fact that I you know it's it's people have a comment about everything and um I don't know what it is but is we sort of like lost respect or like um like a little bit of um, empathy, I guess, for people who make certain lifestyle choices and, um, you know, want to judge or, or, I don't know, I guess, look, like people project their own insecurity on others who've made a certain change. Does that make any sense? Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I mean, a lot of times these, these choices are very personal and like, you're the only one that has to wake up and decide not to eat dairy and to live with the consequences if you do, right? Like it's no, no one else's body. So yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. People can be kind of judgy. There seems to be like, you mentioned meditation earlier, I mean, and veganism. I mean, it seems to be like a very, um, a conscious effort to sort of celebrate healthier lifestyle choices. Do you, like, what, yeah. what was that an intentional choice? Do you feel like? Yeah, I mean, if you look at the, the data about diabetes, heart conditions, like we do not do well um, as women of color, like at all. And Part of that is just learned habits and lifestyle choices that were passed down to us from our mothers, from our families, from our, our gatherings. I mean, I can remember, you know, family gatherings. My parents are pretty healthy, but we would have ribs, mac and cheese, homemade rolls, like just bread on bread with pecan pie and sweet potato pie, just on a normal family gathering, not even Thanksgiving. And, um, you know, I look at that stuff now and I'm like, oh my gosh, what were we doing? Like, that's not okay. And I think for women of color, like that idea that we should be changing our lifestyle is something that we're all very curious of and conscious of, particularly now that we have things like Instagram where we can follow all these like healthy fit people, but we don't necessarily know how to get there. And so we wanted to create different types of content that gave 
people some options and said, this is how you get there. We're interviewing really cool women about their own habits and their own choices and kind of walking through their routines and what they eat every day and their makeup routine or their skin routine. Um, so yeah, it's evolving, but it's been pretty fun to learn all of these cool things that I never knew about, particularly because I'm from like Missouri, which is like not necessarily the most progressive place on earth. <laughs> oh yeah, I hear you. I mean, my family growing up, like when you talk about eating healthy and, and you know, I, that was totally my, my dad used to own a soul food restaurant and, um, you know, any family <laughs> gathering, like my uncle Ray would constantly have like sweet potato pie and like just a house full of sweets and, you know, delicious food. Uh, and if you didn't eat it, it was like, what's wrong with you? You know, what's yeah, going on with Mandy? Um, right. Which I think is, it kind of goes back to what I was saying before. I think especially in the African-American community, we're like, like judgy of, or can be judgy and unempathetic to people who try to make, um, you know, healthier, healthier lifestyle choices to an extent. I think that's, that's definitely changing. My dad had gastric bypass surgery two years ago, and it's been incredible. His transformation inspired him and now he's getting on to me for not you know when he sees me right. eating you know white and white bread and starches and he texts me pictures of his like healthy meals all the time which has been fun um do you, exactly. do you have you seen that kind of uh that that sort of um response as well absolutely i mean my whole my fam my parent both my parents now i go home and i'm like where are the leftovers and i was like we don't cook leftovers like we have portion control and i'm like okay I wanted to eat this extra steak for breakfast, you know, but um, that's definitely was not the case growing up. But I think they go for walks after dinner. I think what we're trying to do with 2190 is like skip that whole rediscovery part and start off right. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know they're in their 50s. And I feel like if they had made those life choices when they were in their 30s, like maybe some of the health issues that my parents, I mean, they don't have like crazy health issues, but they have some. Maybe they could have uh, skipped some of those. Definitely. Um, now let's talk about Empower Her because that was a big deal last year. It was your very first conference. Um, any lessons learned? And Well, first tell, remind people what Empower Her is all about and then talk about you know lessons learned last year and how you're sort of leveling up this year. Yeah, so Empower Her is our women's conference for influencers and entrepreneurs. Um, it was in New York last year, sold out event around 350 women. This year we actually moved it to Chicago and it's June 9th and 10th. And we wanted to move it to Chicago. That was kind of the first big change. One, because we feel like the Chicago and the Midwest world always gets ignored. Like events are either in New York, Miami, or LA, maybe the Bay, right? And But there are so many rock star women growing their own businesses, like working at really cool agencies. In the land the of Oprah, come on. Yeah, Oprah, what's up? Exactly, I'm trying to get, me and Oprah are working on our relationship. But um, <laughs> so, so yeah, so we, that was the first thing. And, and we have a huge audience in Chicago actually, and we hadn't done any events there. So that was the first choice. And then the second was like, one, we wanted it to be bigger. We felt like, you know, Blavity has grown significantly. So we doubled the size. Um, It should be around 600 women this year. And we wanted to create more spaces for people to have intimate conversations. So last year we had panels of like four to five people. We had three or four of those size panels. This year we have no panel or discussion over three people. So it's going to be a lot of like, kind of call them real talk conversations where you can 
actually stand up and ask a question to some of these women and you can have more casual dialogue on stage. It's not super preachy. So that's the difference this year. Everyone will be really approachable. Um, It's a day and a half and it should be a lot of fun. So what kind of people are you hoping will sign up? Is this for every woman or women who are running businesses or want to start a business? Like what is sort of the, what sort of takeaways will people get from the speakers this year? So the takeaways and the things, the theme of the conference is live your best life. So while we will have most of the women on stage will be um, business leaders, uh, media creators, they create content, whether they're influencers, um, or they will be entrepreneurs and but they range right so we have like a sim ceo of travel noir we have lovey we have um nicole from exo nicole we have so many amazing women kyra who's editor-in-chief of ebony just like really great women and they're going to talk about their story and how they got to where they are and then um talk a little bit about their challenges and so we'll touch on tips and tips tricks, whether that's in business or in their career, but we'll also touch a lot on the personal side. And I mean, where does this sort of fit in? I mean, from your perspective with Blavity, why empower her? And you know, you have empower her, you have 2190. I mean, do you see yourself sort of focusing more on these? And you said you hired someone else to sort of take the reins at Blavity. Was that so you would be free to pursue some of these more uh, female focused endeavors? Yeah, so when I think of Blavity, I mean, our goal and our mission is to create awesome experiences for black people, period. And mostly young black people, right, if I have to be specific. Um, And that means online and offline. So I'm kind of agnostic about how we do that and through which brand. You know, Blavity has a very clear audience um, and a very clear voice. And we wanted to create the space for a new voice, and that's 2190. Um, and empower her in 2190 will basically live under the same brand and then Blavity and Afrotech will live under that brand um, and we have a, a few more surprises coming out in a few weeks which I think everyone will be very excited about which will introduce another a third brand um, so we're thinking I mean for me as kind of the, the leader of the company and the CEO it's important that I figure out how to serve our audience in multiple ways. So we're diversifying our business, but then we're also being able to serve people better because it's specific and it's not a it's not a one size fits all model for the black community. It's just not. Um, let's talk about some, you know, I'm a financial reporter. I like talking about dollars and cents. And for me, it's interesting because media um, is evolving so quickly and changing so fast and where people get their news obviously is a world different. Um, you don't need me to tell you that. But I, I'd love to talk about like the success of Blavity and, and, and how you're translating that into 2190. I mean, how are you guys doing? Are you are you profitable? Are you still raising money? Are you getting interest from investors? Um, and, and how is that going? Yeah, so I raised our latest round in uh, over the fall, um, fall and winter. And that was really helpful at, at bringing in some senior management into the company to kind of give me and my co-founders a little bit more wiggle room to be strategic and to work on kind of the 12 to 18 month version of Blavity, the the version of Blavity you guys will see in a year from now. Um, And so that they could help manage our team, manage our process, as well as be a a great representation representation of us to brands. Um, We work 
Blavity itself is it has a lot of, of great clients. We work with HBO. Um, we worked with Cadillac. We've worked with uh, the CDC, Netflix, lots of great kind of organizations that are interested in the black consumer and the black millennials specifically. Um, wait a second. The CDC. Yeah, Center for Disease Control. Where exactly. did that come into play? Um, we have a campaign running that's promoting AIDS and HIV testing. Oh, um, we're excellent. the perfect place for that, yeah, right? Yeah, like, absolutely. The friendly boys, we're not super preachy. You know, it's like, look, people, like, this is still a thing. That's right. <laughs> you know, the, I, I feel like HIV AIDS, it's been, you've been hearing more about it, but you've really stopped hearing about it for a while, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, one of my dear friends came, I hate that they came out, but told me um, a few years ago that he was, he was HIV um, positive and there's just like nothing, there was no like conversation about it, but I'm really happy to see that it's um, becoming part of the conversation again and it's how amazing that you guys are contributing to that and raising awareness. Yeah, and I feel like what's cool about Blavity is like when we do campaigns in that nature, which are a little bit more serious, you know, it still gets the same engagement rates. I mean, we have the data to, to show that people may not necessarily share the article, right? Because like, you know, there's lots of weird stigmas and assumptions that people might make, of course. but they will click it. If you get that article in front of them, they will click it because people want to know. That incognito um, window is everything. Everything, right? <laughs> Go incognito and click. Um, so... So yeah, I mean, it's it's been fun for us to work on some of those more serious campaigns. Um, we have a few other ones that that are coming out, and and those are the ones where it's like this is this is why we built the company, right? We mm. built it so that we can seamlessly move between really funny memes and talking about the you know the upcoming shows coming out or the new season of Get Down, and then talk about like okay, but you you guys need to go get tested, right? Or like, have you what's up with your student debt? have you been paying that down? Like, why are you going to Dubai? Right. Um, <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> but, but Hey, I'm not mad. Maybe the travel noir will have something to say about that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> What's up? Yeah. That's, that's, um, so speaking of like sort of creating new brands in the future of Blavity, who's, do you have a mentor? Do you have someone you're leaning on to sort of see, you know, where, what Blavity can become and sort of helping you along? Or are you guys just really just, you know, um, um, you know, following your own gut as you go along? Have you taken on advice and, and how have you sort of applied that to the company? Yeah, I have a lot of advisors. Um, I have personal advisors. I have like a lot of peer advisors. Um, a lot of the people that like Blavity features, like at our conferences, like all the women that I just named that are speaking at the conference are friends. And we talked to each other all the time about different things. Like I literally screenshotted my chart of accounts, my accounting to one of my friends so that because she was building out her QuickBooks, you know. Um, and so and then on the, the, the kind of more official mentor advisory space, a lot of my investors have actually been incredibly helpful. I mean, investors are supposed to be helpful, but mine actually are. So Charles King, who is the, the founder of Macro Ventures based here in LA, has been really helpful. I can call him, email him at any time about, hey, I'm thinking about this different deal. Like, Do you know anyone in this space? Do you know a lawyer I can talk to? Um, 
another person who's been very helpful is Michael Rothman. He was early at Thrillist and is the CEO of a media company called Fatherly. And it's a niche media company, so he really understands how to grow a niche media brand. And he has helped me so much. I mean, he put in a small kind of like angel check into the company, but he has saved me like $50,000. If, if not more in the last like three months, you know, because he knows what he's doing already. And I could be like, Hey, should I hire this firm or should I hire a person on salary? He's like, Nope, hire the firm. And this is how much you can negotiate with this person. Um, so yeah, it's been really helpful to have that circle of mentors, peer mentors, and then people who've been doing this for a long time around me. Did you ever have like when you're first starting out? I mean, it must have been it wasn't like you can just call up these people right away. Um, yeah. When did you feel like you hit the turning point where it was like, oh, people are answering my calls now and, you know, and, and taking me seriously? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, you know, I think that, and this is kind of my advice to like people who want to get to that place where they have really qualified mentors who are very helpful for them. So you have to provide value back to them, right? Like you have to think about what is, what is their connection to you doing for them? And it could be something as simple as they see something in you and it makes them feel good to feel like they're a part of your journey because they are. And like, then you need to change your actions to make sure that they align with that motivation. For say fatherly, for Michael Rothman, you know, he is building this niche media brand. And so I can share stuff about what I'm learning, building Blavity with him. And so he's getting access to some of my information. We're, we're both going back and forth like, oh, have you talked to this person? Have you talked to that person? I mean, he's definitely helping me a thousand times more than I'm helping him. Um, but there is that connection and that we're both interested in building something from the ground up for a specific audience, right? Macro is building incredible, making and funding incredible content. They're one of the, one of the main financiers of Fences and a lot of really cool shows coming out and so we can share information about digital marketing and like this is what the cool young kids in Instagram are thinking and you know here's where I would go if I were going to advertise this movie or like what these, this demographic might think about this right and so we can do that kind of information sharing as well um, so I, I guess my, my advice for those who are kind of interested in building a really strong network of advisors is to have have something valuable like have something and be humble and but and that means having something that really is is worthy of their time um you have to put the the work in before they're going to really help and invest in you well thanks so much morgan um Always a pleasure to have you on. Congrats on Blavity, continued success. Um, You have to let us know more about Empower Her uh, when those details are up. And in the meantime, everyone, you should go to 2190.com, 21NI. Is it NI or N1? NI. Okay. N-E. Okay. (laughs) So that's 21NINETY.com, 2190.com. Congrats, Morgan. And um, yeah, anytime, let us know when you want to come back. Thanks. Talk to you guys soon. All right, guys. Um, that's it for Brown Ambition this week. Thank you for being patient while we were on our little mini hiatus. But we're back now. I'm excited to be back. And we will uh, be back with a fresh new episode next week. Indeed. We are back. We are black. We are brown. And we are ambitious. (laughs) And if you're listening in the morning, check out Tiffany on the Real. 
check your local listings. I don't know what time it comes on. Yeah, I don't even, honestly, I don't even know what time they're gonna, because um, you tape and then they'll let you know, usually within the week. Oh, so, it's I'm not live? Know. No. Oh, but, probably, yeah, later this week, like a Thursday, Friday. So, so you, folks should be able to watch. Just follow me on um, the Budget Nista on social media and I'll post. Please do. All right, good luck. All right, thank you. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.